The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. Sure, it's good to be with all of you. Thanks for coming. Throw out an announcement again. Just uh, We're going to do a, a series this spring on life and the spirit. You ever feel like it's hard to see like actual trans- transformation in your life? Believe stuff, keep doing stuff, but is there any change happening, you know? So uh, I want to think about that with you, and we're going to think about the Holy Spirit. He's the one who changes us. And so uh, that we're going to do that this spring. And then I think really to get the most, of it, most out of this, if you really want to um, engage in this with me, uh, I'd encourage you to get in what we call a growth group. It's a group of uh, three to four people. There's nothing, there's nothing super fancy we're trying to get together with other brothers and sisters in Christ to work out, okay, how do, how do we live this out? And so you're using the power of community, the power of prayer, power of God's word to, to try to get this truth to sink in. So signups are starting today. Um, I just wanna encourage you if, you, if you really wanna try to spend this spring with us, what's it mean to walk with the Holy Spirit and see life change? Um, sign up, go for it with us, all right? Let me pray for us, we'll get to our text. Father, you're a powerful speaking God. And so I'm just asking you right now that in your grace you would preach a better message than I can, that every one of us sitting here, um, whether we're super pumped to be here, whether we're kind of bored right now, that you would just come and get us and uh, show us who you are and what it means to belong to you. So I'm just looking to you to do that. Please help me to do my part. Help me to teach this faithfully and clearly. Help us to do our part, all of us as listeners. Lord, help us to give you the attention you deserve, and we pray, Lord, you'd show us what you've done for us in Jesus. Amen. All right, I got a question for you. Kind of a tough one to answer sometimes. Who are you? How would you answer that question? Who are you? Um, What is your identity? That's what I'm getting at. What do you believe about yourself? See about yourself. You know, maybe you're not even sure how to answer that. Where would you look for the answer? How would you, how would you know where to look for this, to find this out? Wouldn't you agree that your, your sense of identity is one of the most important things to try to get your head around? Um, it's deeply important for, for life, everything in life, who you are, what you love, how you live, why you do what you do, how you relate to other people. It all comes out of your sense of, of self. If we have a messed up sense of identity, it leads to all sorts of nastiness um, in our own lives and how we relate to others. On the other side, if you have a healthy sense of identity, it can lead to all sorts of abundance for you and for others. So, so who are you? Where do you find your sense of identity? How do you, how do you know this? How do you know who you are? What do you, what do you base your identity on? Where do you look? I wanna consider two major answers to that question of finding identity with you this morning. Two major answers. One, we're gonna look at what our culture is giving us. Modern culture, living in the West, living in Southern California. What is what does modern American life tell us about where to find identity? Because I'm telling you, our culture is passionate about this. It's telling you all the time where to find your identity. So we're going to look at that answer, think about it a little bit. Then I want to look at the answer from the gospel. 
from Jesus, from who he is, from what he's done. Uh, the Bible has strong passions about this as well. So look at the, what the culture's telling us, look at what the gospel's telling us, and I think we'll see the gospel not only critiques our culture, but I guess you could say it completes our culture. It takes you where the, t- the culture can. It's, it's so much better. So who are we, how do we know, let's look. Uh, and I got two reasons for spending time on this this morning. One is, I hope it's obvious, I want you to find your identity in the right place. I think we can all grow in this, even if you've been a Christian forever. Um, I heard one teacher say we tend to have identity amnesia. We forget. We forget who we are. So I want to remind us of who we are in Christ through faith in him. That's the first thing. Second thing is we're supposed to be persuaders too. We're supposed to be able to engage with uh, the big ideas of our culture, talk about it, think about it with others so we can show them the beauty of Jesus and how he's different. And so if it's true that our culture is huge on a certain view of identity, and it's crooked, if it's broken, if it's off, we need, we need to be able to think about this and talk about it with others, okay? So two things. Let's find our identity in the right place. Second, how can we respond to what the culture's saying, okay? So let's look at that question now. What is our culture telling us about where we find our identity? I got a... a First quote I got for you, I got a slide for it. This is from a lady named Jean Twen. She's a PhD professor of psychology at San Diego State University. And she's been studying American life and American culture for the last several decades. This is her observation. She says, Americans have turned to the narcissistic pursuit of the self as a source of value almost like a religious experience. So what are we pursuing according to her? Self, and, and it's like, this is the ultimate value for us. I gotta find myself. You ever read anything or anything about that? Find yourself, okay? And she actually uses the word narcissistic. Um, what's that mean? I, I looked it up, okay? The dictionary says, excessive interest in oneself. So you're not just somewhat interested in yourself, well, you're just in love with yourself. And you remember the, the Greek mythology, right? You remember that brother? Narcissist, okay? And he has people in love with him, but he doesn't care. He doesn't want any of that. What he does is he sees a reflection of himself in a pond. And he's just so madly in awe of his own beauty. He just sits there and stares at himself until he dies, <laughs> Rejecting the love of others, in love with self, narcissistic, me. It's all about me. Um, and so Gene Twinge, a psychologist, says this is, this is what we're seeing all through American culture, especially in younger generations. We are in love with looking at ourselves. And so it seems so far that this, our modern culture's view of identity is Find yourself, invent yourself, look to self to understand who you are. Self becomes the source. Self becomes the authority. Look within to find your identity. So you live here too. Do you think that's accurate? You think that's, what, you think that's what's out there? You think that's what you're being told? I'll give you a couple examples just to try to prove it to you, I guess, that this is what Americans believe in also because it's just so much fun. So... How many of you saw the movie Frozen? Okay, informal poll, okay. I saw it. I'm not ashamed. I, I liked it. 
Um, I have kids, okay? How many of you heard the song, Let It Go? <laughs> How many of you wanted to die so you would never hear the song, Let It Go Again? Right. You wanted to let the song go, so, okay. Every single little girl in Western culture was singing this song. Here's some of the lyrics. Can, can any of you sing it for me? Yeah, okay, oh, stop, I'm sorry. Let it go, let it go, okay. Turn away and slam the door. So let what go? Well, I don't care what they're going to say. That's what we're letting go. We're letting go what the community thinks, what the community wants. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. Well, what storm? The storm is I'm finding myself as opposed to what my community wants. And it may be cold if I find myself and live out of who I am. Cold never bothered me anyway. Okay? So next line. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. I'm free. So what is she saying? She's leaving the constraints of her community. That's what she's letting go. Leaving others and what they need. That's what she's letting go. She's going to find herself. That might be cold. She doesn't care what anyone says anymore. She's going to be herself. She's finding her identity within. Okay? So talk about pop culture. Find your identity within. Don't li- Have you ever heard this? Don't listen to what anybody else says. Be yourself. Okay, don't listen to what anybody else says. Just be yourself. Might be cold sometimes. Just live with it. Deal with it. You're the authority. So where do you find your identity? Look within. Discover yourself. Look inside. Find your values, your dreams. Tim Keller summarizes it like this. He says, our identity now is discovered not outside in duties or roles in society, but where? Only inside, only inside, in our desires and dreams. In this view, our self-worth comes from the dignity we bestow on ourselves as we express and fulfill our desires, regardless of what our community might say. Okay, what's the culture saying? Look within, create, discover your own identity. And this is not just for kids singing, let it go. You may have heard of Oprah. Anyone? (laughs) She has a bit of a following. Okay, Um, a lady on her website who's written some things named Anne Lamott. She's a popular writer and speaker. You find her on a bunch of different websites, news articles, or opinion articles, I guess. And here's here's what she wrote in one article entitled, How to Find Out Who You Really Are. Okay, so what are we looking for? Identity. How do you find out? All right, well, here's how. You ready? Told you, this is fun. In the very center is the truth of your spiritual identity. Uh, Very center of the truth of your spiritual identity is you. The self that is revealed, and this is where it gets so fun, the self that is revealed in the divine feminine energy, your own Bette Midler's, Hillary Clinton's, Tina Fey's, Michelle Obama's, Mary Oliver's. Now that last one I don't know. I mean, you can see that they are divine, right? Well, you are too. 
You are too. To love yourself as you are is a miracle, and to seek yourself is to have found yourself for now. That's so awesome. Now, some of you, myself included, I'm not sure how I'm going to find my divine feminine. <laughs> I'm afraid I may not have one. Uh, but, but jokes aside, okay, they're not kidding. It's everywhere. They're not, they're not kidding. Um, if, you're, if you're looking at this from a religious perspective, this is really like pantheism. But they're not kidding. You are godlike, okay? And so if you want to find yourself, you know, the search for your, to seek yourself is to have found yourself. So you want to know who you are? Look within and fall in love. Stare inside and what you love, what you want, what you feel, that's who you are. Love yourself, okay? That's the answer. So that's what our culture is telling us backwards and forwards, inside and out, everywhere, Love yourself, love yourself. That's how you find your identity. Our, cre- our, our culture tells us create and discover our own identities by looking within, looking inside, okay? So what do, you, what do you think about this? You know, do you agree? Does this work? How would you respond if you're a Christian this morning? How would you respond to this? What, what do you think? I, I wanna give a, a couple of thoughts on this cultural view. Uh, if you wanna read more, uh, Tim Keller's book on preaching is a good resource on this. First thing, I think we can appreciate um, valuing the individual. So, for instance, historically today in other cultures, identity has not been found within, but it's, it's really in your responsibility to your community. So if you've ever spent any time traveling abroad, um, Sometimes you'll have the culture shock of like, whoa, you're not respecting me, my space, my stuff as an individual. They don't even, what are you talking about, they would say. They would say, this is all about the community, okay? So the individual always gives up their rights for the, for the family, the honor of the family, the honor of the community. And so the individual, it's, it's not really about you, it's about us, so you sacrifice yourself. Um, lots of cultures are like that, even today, especially historically, okay? So in, in that view of looking at things, it's your... Your identity's responsibility to not really worry about your identity, worry about the community. So uh, it's actually a wonderful effect of the spread of Christianity in the world to highlight the value of the individual. So, so for instance, we believe you're saved by faith, which means your, your community can be whatever it is unless you personally trust. Well, I mean, that's... You have a lot of responsibility. You have dignity. You have value. You make a choice. Uh, you ha- your heart matters. Your feeling matters. Uh, you are in the image of God. So you're not just a cog in the community or a slave to a community. You have value as an individual. I don't know about you. I, I like that. I'm thankful for that. I believe that. Okay? The thing is our culture has run to the other side of the teeter-totter, Right? It's all about me, it's all about self. Everything is about self. And this view has a lot of problems to it. One is, what's gonna happen to you if you look to your feelings, your desires alone to find your identity? Um, Honesty time, how many of you, your feelings have changed? Anyone, okay? I know you. Your feelings change all the time. 
How many of you have had conflicted feelings? Yeah, okay. If you're basing your identity on your feelings, your, your experience, your sense of who you are, you will never have a stable identity. You will, you will be in the waves, in the rapids all the time. The, you'll never have a place to land. Boy, you start to get a little bit older. Some of you are like, son, you're not old. I'm going to be 40 this summer. Anybody feel bad for me? <laughs> Isaiah, do you feel bad for me? It's old, right? Uh, yeah. Um, Look at yourself 10 years ago. What did you want? Are you glad you didn't get it all? Who you thought you were? I mean, looking inside is not a stable place for identity. So it'll be unstable. Secondly, the modern view of identity just isn't real. Do you really believe that you can form an identity without anyone else in your life? Think about this. Um, where'd you get your name? It was, it was given to you. Uh, and think of all the layers of cultures and communities you live in. You, your immediate family, your extended family, the place you live geographically, the time you live historically, where you live as a, as a nation, okay? All these things. Do you really view yourself outside of any of those ideas? Or have all those ideas formed you a ton They've had a a massive influence on how you view yourself. So nobody is actually completely independent and autonomous from others. That's impossible. You can't be. You were made in community, literally, and you were made for community. A human being can't really have a sense of identity totally alone. Um, That would be insane. It's impossible. So even this message, you know, don't worry about what others think, just be yourself. Do you hear what's happening? A whole group of people is saying that to you. Did you come up with that all by yourself? Or did somebody say, hey, don't worry about what others think, just be yourself? Are you listening to the subtext there? Don't worry about what they think, but you should worry about what I think as I tell you not to worry about what they think. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Hey, listen to me. Don't worry about what others think. Listen, care about what I think as I tell you not to worry about what I, what? Disconnect, right? Even this idea, just be yourself, don't listen to anybody else. Somebody told you that, are you listening to them? You can't have a healthy identity completely alone. Even when someone rejects one group of people, their family, their tradition, or their religion, where are they running? To another group of people, to another way of looking at things. I remember in high school when alternative rock came out, right? And I wanted to be alternative, too. And all of a sudden, we were all alternative. It became the norm to be alternative. I'm going to be independent. You want to join me? I need a friend. Let's rebel. You met the tough guy, the strong lady, and they seem to really want you to know that they don't care what you think. In fact, they go out of the way to show you that they don't care what you think because they need you to know that they don't care what you think. And the reason they need you to know that they don't care what you think is because they care what you think. 
Can't have an identity alone. It's not, it's, not, it's not real. So this view of look within yourself, the ultimate authority, create yourself based on your desires. It's just, it's not true. We are connected to community. And, it, and if you think that's right, I mean, I think that's obvious if you think about it. If you think that's right, then how on earth can you find an identity without God? How could you do that? Because if he's real, he's the ultimate community. The community you're never escaping he made you. He made you. If that's true, how can you know yourself apart from him? He upholds your life. Is that true? How can you know yourself apart from him? So we need to ask, God, who do you, what do you say about who I am? What do you say? And here's where we need to hear from what Christianity has to offer. We're going to be in the second chapter of Ephesians and Paul really is telling, he, in this passage, he wants the church in Ephesus to understand God's power for them, specifically in who they are. He wants them to see, hey, look at God's power for you, specifically in changing who you are, in making you who you are. So there's going to be like three phases to this. One is like the devastation, showing you how much you needed God's power in regard to who you are. You needed his grace. Number two will be like the surprise. Wow, how he's done this for me. And then number three will, will be a, the greatest identity you can imagine. So let's walk through it. Devastation, surprise, culmination. Okay? So let's start in verse one. Ephesians chapter two, verse one. Here's the devastation. You wanna, this is, the, this is your identity apart from God. Can you read those first four words with me? They're so encouraging. And you were dead. Okay, first thing Paul is saying is, left to yourself, creating your own identity apart from God, you have no hope. This will never work. This is not gonna lead to a good place. You were dead. Now, I promise you, Paul is not writing this to bash these people, okay? He's not being self-righteous. He includes himself in this. If you read the beginning of Ephesians, he loves these people. He believes in these people. He's showing them the reality of God's, the power of God's grace in their lives. And so the, the starting point is, look, we were dead. So question, is this like corpse dead? Maybe you've seen a dead person, you know, they're not moving. Is this corpse dead? Well, it's an interesting kind of dead, because if you look at the action verbs, you were dead in trespasses, in which you walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power. Um, we almost lived. So, you, so what is this? This is the night of the living dead. This is not corpse dead. This is zombie dead. Our culture's so into zombies. I wonder why. There's really a lesson here. It, there really is. Zombie dead. Active, doing, but somehow dead. So not dead as in not responding to anything. Dead as in not doing anything. Dead to something. Dead to someone. So who are we zombie dead to? Left to ourselves. Well, we're dead to what? We're, we're dead to God. And a relationship with him, an openness to him, a softness to him, a responding to him. We're dead to that. Don't want it. Run from it. Ignore it. Deny it. 
And because of it, we're dead to what's good and beautiful and love. And, um, so think again about this attitude behind the modern view of identity. Where do we find it? How do you know who you are? Look within. What I want, what I like, who I see myself to be, what I desire, that's me. I, 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 okay? If you create and discover your identity on your own, all by yourself, what are you saying then to God who made you? I'm not listening to you. I don't need your opinion. I don't recognize your place in the world or in my life. Uh, I demean you. I ignore you. Right? This is exactly what the Bible means by the flesh. Look at verse 3. Paul says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. So the flesh here is not your body. Christians think the body is great. It's wonderful. Um, This is an inclination, a self-centered inclination of the heart that dethrones God and makes everything about self, everything about self. So if you want to think of deeds of the flesh, that sounds so churchified, doesn't it? Church museum words, deeds of the flesh, transgressions, iniquities. Uh, What are those? And you'd say, well, being a drug dealer or uh, I don't know. Doing something really bad. And what's beautiful about that is because we're all church-going people, and we could be all, look at all the bad fleshly things out there. I'm glad we don't do that. Flesh makes self more important than God. So honesty time. Have you ever found yourself doing a, a good deed for the recognition you'll receive? You do the good deed, nobody thanked you, you're devastated, you're angry, you're bitter. That was the flesh. It was for self. Or uh, you find yourself, you, you, you want to do something nice, you want to give to charity, you want to help, and if, if you look within your heart, maybe you'd have to admit, it's because I wanted to feel like I was a good person and better than others who don't, okay? Or there's whole movements within Christianity where we hate self-righteous Pharisees, And we're so self-righteous about how self-righteous they are. You see what I mean? It's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. And even even good things or religion becomes about self. It's the flesh. It makes self king, self most important, self everything. Our modern view of identity is just going flesh, 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 flesh. Uh, Make it yourself without God. Wow. Wow. You know, it, it, it feels so original, so sexy, unique, create, courageous to create your identity, to let everything else go. I think it's funny, in this text, it's, it's actually kind of a tired thing to do. Uh, it's old-fashioned, if you will. Look at verse two. Uh, this is in which you, the sins in which you walked. Fall, two, oh, oh, one word I want you to see. What do we do with the course of this world? In which you once walked, what? Following. Following the course of this world. Next one. Who, who else are we following? Following the prince of the power of the air. Okay, that's the devil. Look, and all of a sudden you take a step back, you realize there's a spiritual reality that wants to dethrone God and is prideful. And in our flesh, when we make life all about us, well, guess who we're following? We're following him. But this word follow needs to be like mastered or enslaved by. It feels so great to be like, I'll create myself, I'll define myself, 
And Christianity says, follower, you're like a sheep in the herd, following the prince of the power of the air, following the course of this world, the world system that's against God. So this prideful flesh um, is just being caught in the tractor beam, pulling you towards destruction. I, I think this view of identity just in the end is very selfish, okay? It's very selfish. That's what the Bible is saying is the major problem with us, pride, selfishness. Do you agree that selfishness brings a lot of destruction in the world? You ever seen relationships broken, promises broken so someone could find themselves? They end up abandoning a lot of people. Um, and I think the more we look into it, all the injustices that, that plague us all around the world from, from micro to macro, it's about people saying self. I demean, I demand, I dominate, it's about me. This is destruction, and that's why, you know, when it comes to the idea of identity, look what Paul concludes with, where is it? You were by nature something, do you see it? Verse three, at the end, we were by nature, what? Children of wrath. So, well, that's, that's honest, that's devastating. If you wanna look within to create your own identity, the identity you'll find when it comes to the real thing is by nature a child of, of everything about you will deserve justice, the Bible is saying, because you've made it so selfish. So selfish. You haven't loved God or your neighbor. And so, you know, we have great value made in the image of God, but great responsibility to love God and to love our neighbors. And when we make everything about ourselves, we demean, we deny all of that, we deserve justice. So, so just as, I guess, the, the, the real idea here is, left to yourself, how much hope do you have to create a good identity, according to Paul? How you doing? Doesn't this passage just scream, left to yourself, you are hopeless? You can't do it. You won't find it. It won't work. Okay, best two words in the Bible. It's all, uh, you can help Help us all wake up a little bit. Will you read the first two words with me in verse four like you believe it? You ready? Everybody there? One, two, three. But God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But God. God who's awake and alive and who cares. But God. Look at what you see about God. God being rich in mercy. Mercy is compassionate help for the helpless. And how much does God have? He's rich. He's got lots of mercy. He loves to help the helpless because of his great love with which he loved us. That's like an emphasis thing, right? How much love? Great love with which he loved us. God loves to love the undeserving. And here's this idea of grace. God loves to love and help and show mercy to the undeserving who don't deserve it. He loves. And his love changes identities. Now look at his power. Look at verse five. God, please show us this in our hearts. Even when we were dead, so there's our side. Here's what I bring. I'm dead in my sins. What does God do for you? Even when we were dead, he made us alive. 
He raised us up, verse 6. He seated us with him in the heavenly places. We were dead, God acted, made us alive, raised us up, seated us. Wow. How did he do it? Through whom? This is, this is the craziest, most amazing, most glorious thing in the Bible. Okay, right here. If you don't understand this, you're missing it. If you get this, everything else follows. This is it, okay? God made us alive together with, with who? Christ. Together with Christ. You became alive as you were with Christ. Him next to you. Him aiding you. Him helping you. Think about it. We were dead in our sins, As we were dead in our sins, what did Jesus do for us? He died for us. He gave everything for those who have hated him. He drained out the cup of wrath. We're children of wrath. He drained out the cup so there's not one drop left of wrath for those who trust in him. We were dead. Jesus died for us. Then Jesus, after he died three days later, what did he do? He rose. And we... We're raised with him. See, we're together. We're next to Jesus. We're connected to Jesus, unified to Jesus. And his death was my death to sin. I deserve death. He died for me. And he rose in his new life. That's my new life. That's your new life. We're made alive in him, alive to God. Remember, we were dead to God. Not like a corpse, but like a zombie. Now we're alive to God, like children. God's love is poured out into our hearts, and we say, Abba, Father, we're alive to God in Christ. And seated, this idea of seated, what does that mean? Okay, when, when Jesus rose from the dead, it was the Father vindicating him and saying, yep, you did it, just right, just right. Your life was perfect, you didn't deserve to die. You've won, you've defeated sin and death, you win, And so he's exalted to this place of fame and honor and and victory. And so when you sit at the right hand of the Father, you're you're the hero of history right there. You win. You're praised and you're honored. And now he's got his, his feet up in a way because he's finished, right? What did he say on the cross before he died? It's finished. I'm done. I did it. And now he's seated at the right hand of God. So that place, that seat is one of honor and uh vindication and glory and beauty and majesty and everything else, guess who else is sitting there? He made us alive in Christ. He raised us with Christ. And he seated us with Christ, together with Christ. The honored seat for the victorious king and the heart of your identity if you trust Christ is that's where you sit too. That's where you sit too. Look at what John Stott said. It's an amazing quote. The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be And God sacrifices himself for man and puts himself where only man deserves to be. We tried to steal God's seat. Jesus took our seat, was raised to a new seat, 
and now shares that seat with us. Seated with Christ. Put this in a way you can remember. When you're looking for your identity, don't look within. Look to him. Don't look within. Look to him. Look to where you're seated. Don't look to who you are as much as you look to whose you are together with Christ. And listen, he wants to treat you according to this identity of seated with Christ. He wants to treat you like this forever. Look what you got coming if you trust in Jesus, verse seven. So that in the coming ages, let me just pause for a moment. We are in an age right now, the way God sees the world. Ever since Jesus rose from the dead, an age began. How long has that age been so far? 2,000 plus years. Okay, right. It's not over yet. You've got ages coming. So I'm going to take those to be long times and more long times and more long times. Okay, a long time. You could even say forever. In the coming ages, God wants to show something to you. He wants to prove something to you, impress something upon you. So what's he going to show you? Can you find it, verse 7? So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable. So let's just take this slow. What's immeasurable mean? There's a lot of it, right? I can't count it. There's always more. He wants to show you the immeasurable riches. So not only is it immeasurable It's richly immeasurable, immeasurable riches. If you've got riches, that's awesome. You have a lot. If you have immeasurable riches, it's better than the Powerball, right? Immeasurable riches of what? His grace. So again, love that you don't deserve. What does he have just immeasurable riches of? Love that you don't deserve in kindness towards us in Jesus. You see, if you're in Jesus, if you're in Jesus, you are so loved, so valued, so appreciated, so welcomed, so enjoyed, so victorious that God is just going to pour grace on you forever and prove to you how kind he can be. That's your identity in Christ. That's who you are. How would you say it? Who are you? I hope you're saying at least this. I'm a child of God in Christ. In Christ, together with Christ. That's at the heart of who I am. So Paul is showing us, right, the identity you need can only be received from God by grace. It's not from looking within, it's from looking to him. Look at verse eight. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. I love this part right here. You know, sometimes when Paul's talking about being saved by works, he says, no, we're not talking about being, we're not saved by works. You're not saved by what you do. There he'll say, you're saved by faith, trusting in Jesus, right? Can I get an amen? We're Protestants. Amen, okay. But here he doesn't say we're saved by faith. He presses it a little deeper. What are you saved by in this verse? Grace through faith. You see, ultimately, and this is amazing, how how powerful God's grace is, ultimately, it's not even your faith that saves you. It's God's love that saves you. He uses faith, for sure. Faith is essential, for sure. 
But that is not the ultimate ground of your salvation. And this is so beautiful. How many of you have days where your faith feels kind of crappy, kind of weak, kind of like Swiss cheese, kind of empty, kind of like cardboard? Man, you can think, boy, if it's my faith that has to get me there, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Here's why you remember this. Wait, oh, you know what? I got somewhere to land. Even when my faith feels weak, I'm saved by grace. His love. All of a sudden, you get a little steroid boost to your faith in that moment. Saved by grace. And even this, how powerful is God? How hopeless are we? Even this is not your doing. Even faith itself, what does he say about it? It's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. So no one may boast. And really what he means here is so your boast has changed. You guys okay with me saying that? It's really so your boast has changed. So you read Ephesians 2. How much did you have to do with saving yourself? You got a resume where you're like, I saved myself. I'm so good. I earned my salvation. I'm better than other people. You got anything on that, like that on your resume, Ephesians 2? No, I was a zombie dead person, right? God made me alive. So then where's your boast? You see, this hits right at the home of identity. When, when you are trying to build an identity on your own, you're looking for something to boast in. I worked hard. I'm beautiful. I have a boyfriend. I'm successful. I'm tough. I'm intelligent. I get good grades. I won the game. I'm a hero. People respect me. People fear me. People want me. I'm famous. I did it, but you're looking for something. There's a response from people that feeds me. There's a, I need, I need, I'm craving, I'm craving, I'm boasting. I gotta find something to boast in. And you know, sometimes we wake up and we go, I'm not that impressed with myself. We don't share that with people, but do you ever feel that despair? I think every Christian even has this moment of like, I'm not who I thought I was. You think of Peter, right? Peter, you're gonna deny me. No, Jesus, I'm gonna die for you, man. I'm the hero here. I'm gonna, I'll be there with you till the end. Rooster Crows, he weeps. I'm not who I thought I was. My identity, based on whatever it was, is it's crumbling. You see, if you, if you look outside for a boast for your identity, it will crumble. You will be revealed. There's only one thing that holds you up strong forever. I'm seated with Christ, by grace, through faith. And so now where's your boast? Your boast for your identity, where you find it? Jesus. Now don't think that takes away the beauty of who you are individually. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is amazing. So balanced, so just right. That second word, verse 10, we are his workmanship. So he doesn't just say, you are his workmanship. So you could be like, I am his workmanship. Because all of a sudden, what? we are his workmanship. Beautiful. What's it do? It puts you in a community. We, the church, God's people, his bride, we are his workmanship. Beautiful. Uh, you know, that's, why, that's one reason we, we're supposed to meet a lot as Christians. Remember who we are. Remember whose we are. 
we forget. We. But not only that, you were also created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand. So here's the beauty of your identity. You're seated with Christ and you are uniquely you. And the Bible talks about this all the time too. You have gifts that nobody else has. You're an essential part of the body. Yeah, you're part of a body. You're not alone. You're not autonomous. But you're an essential part of the body. Okay? My toes, they can't go preaching about how they're awesome toes and they do things all by themselves. No, you need to stay home, toes, right? But I'm glad I got my toes. It's that way for all of us. You are uniquely you in Christ, and you have deeds to do that only you can do. God has placed you in a certain place, a certain time, a certain community, in certain relationships, with certain experiences, easy and hard, in Christ, where you can do what only you can do for his glory. And he's prepared those good works beforehand for you. Do you see the identity you have? You are seated with Christ by grace, and now he's got this life for you to live that's individually yours, connected to his community for his glory. It's the best, most freeing, most amazing identity you can have. Um, so when we're, when we're putting identity in Christ, like, what's my identity? I, I, you should see it kind of like as concentric circles maybe. At the core, the core, this is what we're talking about here. The core has got to be, I'm seated with Christ by grace. God's love has put me here. And then, of course, you wear different hats at different times of life. Uh, I'm a father. I'm a pastor. Okay, and I'll just use myself as an example right here. Uh, I love to teach God's word. Some of you, amazingly, you keep coming to hear me do it. That's by grace. Thank you, okay? Look, is being a pastor my identity? Sort of. Uh, this concentric circle way out here, it's, it's a big part of who I am and what I do. If I make this my, my core identity, and I'm looking out at you, and I'm preaching, this is just my example, okay? You gotta think of your own. What happens if I make you my life? What happens if I make you my life? There are gonna be services that are really small, and I'm, I'm a failure. There might be a couple services that are, are bigger, and I'm a success. Or one day I just get old and I can't do this anymore. It's, guess what? That will happen. One day I'll get injured. I can't do this anymore. Maybe a church closes. It happens. It ends. It's going to end. Somehow it will end. And if that's me, I end. I come undone. Is it a part of the good works God has prepared beforehand for me? Yeah, it's great. But that flows out of the core of my real identity. My real identity, God, help me remember this. I'm a child of God by grace and I'm seated with Christ, and I'll always sit there. I'll always sit there. And then that means whatever happens in life, I could be disappointed, I could be happy, but it doesn't get who I am because I'm in Christ, and it sets me free to actually do the work. It sets me free. 
Remember, the flesh is self-serving, craving, boasting in something, to be someone. When you see and feel yourself in Christ, you have that core validation and acceptance and love that you need. And so instead of being self-obsessed, narcissistic, you can be self-giving. You don't deny the skills that God has given you, whatever they are. You use the skills that God has given you for his glory and the blessing of others. Do you see? It's so important for everything. If you're a parent, if you're an artist, where you work, if you're everything, whatever, who are you and why? Don't look within. Look to him. Let's pray. Father, I was dead and we were all dead. You made us alive by grace. I pray for each one of us you help us to see your grace in a new way. Feel it and taste it in a new way. That you'd make sense of this. That we would, we would have a sense of peace and joy in realizing who we are in you. Uh, that we would put our faith in Jesus Christ, our trust in him, and realize that even that is your grace. You've loved us. And that we'd see ourselves righteous in him, loved in him, adopted in him, seated with him, valued in him. And all our boast would be in Jesus. And then all of a sudden that would set us free to, to new things. Lord, move us away from just dominating others, needing to create the sense of identity in outward things, and let us sit at peacefully at home in who we are in Christ. By grace, we don't earn it. We don't invent it. It's received. You give it to us. And then out of that, Lord, transform how we live in the skills that you've given us. Let us be self-giving because we're so satisfied in who we are by your grace. I pray you'd work this out in us. In Jesus' name, amen.